when it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. This is Cork Today. Cork Today. With Patricia Messenger on C103. Cork's greatest hits. C103. And enjoy those uh, temperatures around the mid-teens because it's from tonight that there's going to be a bit of a change and it is going to start to feel colder and certainly tomorrow you'll be looking at trying to wrap up nice and uh, warm and across the weekend winter woolies I think at the ready. A very good morning to you welcoming you along to Thursday's edition of the programme. John Paul is taking your calls as always 1850 and you can text her WhatsApp 0862 103 We've a busy programme to get to uh, through today. In a couple of minutes I'm going to be speaking with a well-known author Cecilia Ahern. Today is the day that Cecilia Ahern releases her new book. It is a book entitled Roar and it's a book of short stories. It's uh, 30 women and 30 stories and uh, we'll find out more about about the book. Certainly different from if you are a fan of Cecilia Hearn's books, this one is very different but it is one of those fascinating, intriguing books and each little short story is a page turner. It, it really is. It's an incredible read. Uh, we'll chat with uh, Cecilia in a couple of minutes on the programme. Uh, and then I'm going to be talking with a mother who is sharing the story of her daughter, her little daughter. She's only two and a half. She lives with a very painful skin condition. This is this, it's known as EB is the name of it. I can't even pronounce the name of the actual condition, but it's more commonly known as the butterfly skin condition and it's just it's just the pain that's involved with this condition and you know any of us that are mothers will know one of the hardest things you can do is to watch your child in pain and to know that they have this condition that doesn't seem to be getting any any better and you know day in day out that the condition is just going to be more painful it's just got to be heartbreaking so she talks to us about the condition and also trying to raise awareness for it because this is a special awareness week and we'll be encouraging people uh, to try to support a support group that helps out people with this uh, condition. We're going to hear a suggestion to pay car tax with saving stamps. This is going to be a little bit similar to the way some people, not everyone, some people pay pay their television licence and they break it up over the entire year by going into their post office, either when they're in their post office, maybe picking up for older people, maybe picking up a pension. Some do it, for example, when they're picking up their children's allowance. They might buy, you know, so many TV licence saving stamps, either every week or every month 
you put them into the little book and then once a year when you get a notice in the post to say your TV licence is up and please can we have €160 uh, from you. If you're on a fixed income or a low income suddenly having to come up with €160 can be a lot of money so people feel that by spreading it out over the cost of the year when the bill comes in they really don't even feel paying for it. Well the suggestion is why can't we do something similar with car tax and it seems Cork County Council are really going to give this a very very serious look because it has been something that has been suggested before certainly during the downturn when people were losing their jobs and people were finding themselves financially in a, in a very bad place and people were saying that when a bill like that came in for a car insurance or car tax it could you know absolutely cripple the family and with people taking risks of driving without car tax and then getting caught by the guards and it was just a nightmare situation but if you're driving an older car then your car tax can be very very expensive and a lot of people would like the idea of being able to spread it over the year so we're going to look at that today on the programme and take a look at this suggestion that has been made to uh, Cork uh, County Council and somebody is saying said by WhatsApp when I mentioned the TV licence stamps that they also make a great Christmas present which is something I wouldn't have thought of before but maybe if you have somebody that you know collects the TV licence stamps uh, that you could give them 20, 30 euro however much you're going to spend on their Christmas present give it to them in TV licence stamps it possibly is something you need to check with the person uh, first but somebody is saying that it is a good idea and it's a good suggestion for a uh, Christmas present now we are going to speak with uh, Barry Roach he's Southern Correspondent with the Irish Times he is running with a story in today's uh, paper from one of our own in North Cork an elderly man who was scammed out of money scammed out of 700 euro and it's that old scam that regularly actually comes up here in the crime file and we will be warning the Gardaí will be warning listeners to be very careful normally what happens is somebody calls to somebody's house purporting to be a member of Angarda Siakona saying that there's been forged notes in the area do you have any notes on you? Can I take a look at them? And then the guy who's meant to be a member from Garda Shikona looks at them and starts saying, oh yeah, they look a bit suspicious. I tell you what, going to bring them down to the Garda station just to be absolutely... Um, just to be absolutely sure that everything's okay with with these and of course then the person never sees the money uh, again. Somebody was in court yesterday for scamming uh, an elderly man we'll find out more about that uh, on the programme uh, today. We will have a member from Garda Shikona joining us for this week's Crime File and Jane Pickett of the Islandwood Veterinary Hospital in uh, Newmarket will answer all of your pet questions all to come on the programme today. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Best-selling author Cecilia Ahern, who has written 15 books in 14 years, today publishes her latest book, Roar, by Colin HarperCollins, uh, described as by some as her feminist manifesto. I'm delighted to say Cecilia Ahern uh, joins me. Good morning to you, Cecilia. Good morning. Uh, you're, wel- you're welcome to the programme. Now, this is a very different book to any of your others. It's 30 women, 30 stories, and you started writing these stories before the Me Too ever happened. Yeah, that's right. I started writing, I wrote my first story five years ago and um, I had no intention of writing a collection but what happened was they just kept growing and I realised after about five or six that they were kind of 
thematically linked and that they belong together. And so I just continued writing them for myself with really no intention. Well, not without an intention, but without <laughs> no book deal. So I was just writing for myself. Um, it was before the movement, but um, when I went over to and actually I'd been trying to get them made as a TV series for the last five years and but there was no one really biting and I went over to LA early last year and I think what changed things time wise was that Trump had just been elected and uh, I was speaking to them on a Thursday and the march the women's march you can remember the yeah. was on the Saturday and I felt that it was certainly timing wise that's what made them even more kind of appropriate that made the stories more appropriate because people were very sensitive they were very you know there was a lot of fear there was a lot of sadness but there was also a lot of desire to take action and tell women's stories um, and tell more women's stories and have more stories from women's perspectives so that's you know how it Before came the about. movement, but but around that time. Yeah, but every single story uh, just packs an amazing punch. And another thing that struck me was none of the women have names, and every story starts with the woman who, and then it goes on from there. Yes, yes. I, I had so much fun um, coming up with titles. I must say that they're very kind of surreal stories, um, and they're kind of whimsical and hopefully humorous, but moving. And they're all the subjects of them are very grounded in reality. So, for example, the first story is The Woman Who Slowly Disappeared, uh, which is about a woman who, as she ages, starts to disappear because she feels as though she's invisible, that that people don't see her or value her or society doesn't value her. So I've kind of taken, you know, metaphors or idioms or expressions that we're very familiar with and made them literal. So we'll have, you know, the woman who jumped on the bandwagon, the woman who thought the grass was greener on the other side, (laughs) and they just became the... It, it just was such a fun, they were so much fun, sto- I had so much fun writing them because there was just, uh, I just broke all the rules really and, and wrote ridiculous stories about real things. And I have to say the first one, the the the, the woman who, uh, the, the woman who slowly disappeared, there is so many women of a certain age who are going to so identify with that particular story uh, alone. Uh, and I think you're going to have many women come up to you and say, I can identify with that story. The woman who yeah. forgot her name is is charming, but mothers everywhere will know that moment. Yeah, I mean, I have to say there's a lot of me in moments like that. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, there seems to be a collection within the collection, I've realised, which is about that, you know, busy mother, um, you know, either career woman with children or, you know, woman working at home with children. Um, just when you really are so busy and there's so much going on in your in your own head that you can forget your own name and it's an expression I say the whole time because I'm always apologizing to people I don't see them in the street or I can't remember meeting them before or I can't remember their name and it's just feels like there's a big fuzzball up in my brain um so I wanted to write a story to kind of represent those moments where you're just so overwhelmed and your head is so busy that there's a, a character literally cannot remember her own name um, and she arrives for a dinner reservation and she can't remember what name it's been booked under. So through a process of elimination, she has to sit at various tables and have conversations to figure out which table she'll be sitting at. Um, so again, fun, but again, real. <laughs> because yeah. it's something that we we all can identify with. And then I love who turns up at the end. We won't give it away, but who turns up at the end to actually yeah. meet her for the for the, the the dinner date. Now, I have to say, I do mummy guilts better than anyone in the world. The, oh. the woman with the bite marks on, on, her skin, on her skin. All mothers can learn from that story. 
Yes, and again, that was a personal one. I remember the, the day that I wrote that, you know, I left my little baby at home, he cried. I brought my daughter to Montessori, she cried. And then I got into my car and I cried. <laughs> and um, I went to work and I, you know, you're just thinking, why am I doing this? And, you know, is it, am I destroying my children? Um, but you have to do it and that's life. So um, I wrote that story about a woman who, who found, finds bite marks all over her skin. She's just returned to work after maternity leave and she realizes that the guilt quite literally is eating her alive. And and I, I again wanted to, we all feel guilty, but if we could see the physical, physical effects of our worrying on our body, um, we would stop. Yeah. <laughs> we would put it all in perspective. So we're damaging our, our mind so much. Um, if we could see the effects on ourselves, then it would make us think twice. So yeah, it's, it is a story that everyone can identify with. We all, I think, are made of guilt, not all the time, but we just have our moments. Um, and of course, there are women who are guilt free and nor should they need to feel guilty. Um, but it is something that I can identify with. But yeah, but women, we do it more than men for some reason. Dads don't do it to the same level mm. that, that, that and we allow ourselves no. to, uh, to do it. Yeah. And sometimes it's, it's like, yeah, I mean, and men do do it, too. So I know there are lots of caring, amazing husbands and, and fathers out there who do feel guilty, too. But women are just particularly pros at it. Um, and I suppose it's about the expectation that maybe society puts on you. You have to explain more. I know I sit, you know, talk to people more about how do you do it? How do you work and your and have your children and mind your children? And it's kind of something that men aren't expected to explain. You know, how you know, you have to sit and ask a man, how do you work yeah. and also mind your kids? I mean, it's not a conversation they ever have to have. So I think we're always we constantly have to explain ourselves and justify what we're doing. And then that's also going to feed into the guilt that we already have. And the story about the cringe moments in our lives where you want the ground <laughs> to open up and swallow you up. I mean, I take we've all had those moments and I'm, I'm assuming Absolutely. you've had moments in your life like that. I am made of those moments. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, that you're referring to the woman who was swallowed up by the floor and who met other women down there, too, uh, which is a long title and another one I had great fun with. But it is a, it, this woman in particular is in the middle of a presentation, a work presentation, and she does something. She's very nervous and she embarrasses herself in front of all her colleagues. And she really wishes that the ground would open up and swallow her. Um, and it does. There's a welcoming black hole in the floor and she just jumps down there to hide. And when she gets down, she sees a whole <laughs> group of women who are cringing over something that they also did. So it's like I've created the cringe hole where people go and hide until they can um, get over what they've done. And actually, can I say to listeners, if you go to our uh, website, there's actually a recording of that particular story. It's actually available and it's, and it's up on all of our, our, our uh, on the website. Uh, now, the, the really exciting news, though, about this book, Cecilia, is that it is to be turned into a television series with none other than Nicole Kidman. That's right. So Nicole Kidman uh, has a production company called Blossom Films. And also the other company involved is Made Up Stories. And they both work together on Big Little Lies, which was huge over the last few years. And so they're teaming up again to make Roar. Um, and I'm very happy to be working alongside them. We have two writers and showrunners who are the creators of Glow on Netflix and Orange is the New Black. And so there's an incredible team of people who are currently working on the first few episodes. And um, it's very exciting. I think that just the stories just really spoke to them. They are you know, represent all the different facets of women's lives and, and that's exactly the material they were looking for. So I'm delighted to be working with them.
And when I saw the name of the book Roar, I straight away thought of Helen Reddy's song, I Am Woman, mm. Hear Me Roar. And then I open up one yeah. of the start of the book and there you have it. The, the line in that book, the, li- the line yeah. is in it from that song. You're too young yeah, to be a Helen Reddy fan. Well, what happened was when I wrote my first short story, which is The Woman Who Slowly Disappeared, I had been, I wanted to, you know, introduce the story with a quote. And that was the quote that I chose. Um, And up until that point, my book, the collection had been called The Woman Who. And obviously I needed something more powerful. So we took Roar from that quote. So the quote came first. And then the title the title came from that. (laughs) Well, it's terrific. I have to say I have really enjoyed reading the book and it has made me uh, stop and think, uh, particularly the woman who grew the wings, the the lady wearing the hijab. Um, And I was after reading that story and I saw uh, a woman when I was in town wearing a hijab and I tried to make eye contact with her. I I just said, I I want you Mm. to know that I see you. And she actually looked away. She just did not want to make eye contact. Well, you know, I'm, I'm, there's so many different types of stories in this and I hope it, what's really fascinating is that everybody has one that really touches them and, um, and, and look, if anything can make anybody think, then I know I'm doing something right. Um, but yeah, that's, I, I do love that story as well. It's about, you know, a woman, who, she's, she's, just, she's a refugee, just moved to a new country, um, but she doesn't feel accepted at the, the school gates and she, she figures out a way how to... Uh, rise above them all let's just say yeah so it is kind of a moving story um and you describe and yeah i can i could almost visualize the yummy mummies at the gate in there and their people (laughs) not taking from the lovely mothers at the gate at the school gate no Um, i know and that's and when i do that i'm also teasing myself i mean i'm the one with my legs squished into the the you know the gym gear as well so a lot of that you know i'm not i'm not laughing at others i'm also laughing at myself so and identify with every character in my stories and and one question what happened to the woman who got down off the shelf did she go on to have a fulfilled life oh she did yes until the until life throws something new at her <laughs> but yeah Yes, don't worry, she's fine. Good. All my women are fine. Good, good. <laughs> Listen, I, I loved it from start to finish. It's, it is terrific. Thank you but, so I, much. but as I said at the outset, it is very different from any of your other books, but I, but I think mm. you're going to get a huge, huge uh, reaction to it. Listen, thank you for taking time out to talk to us today and good luck with it. It's a pleasure. Thank you so much. Thanks a million. Bye bye. Bye bye. That is Cecilia Hearn. The book is published by Harper Collins and it is called Roar 30 Women. 30 stories and as I say well well uh, worth the read and if you go to the C103 uh, uh, website you will get to hear one of the stories from the book and it is the one the woman that was swa- swallowed up by the floor and it was, it's the story that tickled me the most that, that actually made me smile it, it really is great it's available on our website if you want to listen to it or you can download it uh, for free but the book uh, Roar uh, published by HarperCollins, as they say, available in all good bookshops. Court today with Breedhaven Nursing Home Mallow. It's family run, so your loved one will feel at home. See Breedhaven.ie. C103. This is the Court Today replay on C103. Now, this week has been designated National EB Awareness Week, which is run by Deborah Ireland, a patient support group which offer help to to patients and indeed their families who live with this rare and painful skin condition. Rachel Reid is from Nakraha and she joins me to discuss EB and how it affects her little daughter Alana. Now Alana is only uh, two and a half and has this uh, condition. Good morning to you Rachel. Morning, how are you? I'm very well. Now it's known as the butterfly skin disease and I, I can't even pronounce E 
TB. I can't even pronounce the words. Uh, the the proper. Yeah, it is tricky. Okay, thank you for saying that for me. Can you just explain to our listeners what it is? I will. Um, basically, it means that it's a genetic condition, first of all. So both Greg and I carry this gene, but we had no idea it's nowhere in our family or anything. Um, so because we have this gene, it means that Alana then doesn't produce enough collagen 7 in her skin. And what that collagen 7 would do is knit the layers of the skin together. Um, so like uh, anyone with, with producing enough collagen... If they touch off anything, obviously nothing is going to happen. But in Alana's case, then um, her skin will just blister or it'll just tear um, with the slightest knock, anything at all that touches her, even her clothes, toys, anything. Um, as, de- as delicate as a butterfly. Hence, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, when was Alana diagnosed? Um, when she was born, she had no skin on her right leg from her knee right down to her toes and underneath. She was born in CUH and they had never seen that there before. So um, she was taken off to neonatal and they they brought down um, plastic surgeons and dermatologists just to have a look and see. And I think they decided then it could possibly be the epidural lysosclosis. So she was sent up to Crumlin when she was 15 hours old by ambulance. And we followed her up there. So they did a biopsy. Um, and we had to wait about 10 days for that to come back. And once that did, then they told us that she was recessive dystrophic epidermolysis blossom. And of course, at that stage, you're going, I mean, I'm assuming you knew nothing about the condition. No idea. I had never heard of it before. No, so it was um, a learning curve, to say the least. So what is daily life like for a little Alana t- at two and a half? What's, is, there um, a, is there a routine you've got to follow? Well, they, she would have to have her bandages changed every second day, so that would take three of us up to three hours to do. So she has a bath in Milton and Salt. Um, we take her up and we've built a dedicated bandaging room for her. We take her up to the room and we have loads of creams that we need to apply just to keep the, the skin soft. You know, they, with the Milton and Salt, it can, it can become very itchy as well. Um, with the does, wounds healing, that, it can get very itchy. Does that not sting? Um... She would be heavily medicated before we start, so oh it can do God. sometimes. If it was a very fresh wound, it would sting quite a bit. If it's a day or two old, it's not so bad for her at the moment. She does have days where she just screams in pain, but she's doing okay at the moment, so we'll take it. So she's she's bandaged, well, not quite from head to toe, but practically all from of her butt. The shoulders down, yeah. Like a mummy? So, yeah, there would be layers of bandages there. Um, some are just to protect the good skin and some then are to cover wounds so that we can put creams and things on those as well to heal those up faster. And then when you say that, that they have to get changed every second day, every two days. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, it, is that very painful taking those bandages off? It can be, yeah, it can. She would have morphine before she starts, the two doses of morphine before she, we start. So, um, And she has, other, she has 17 medications a day. So she would be heavily medicated. Um, some days can be absolutely horrific, and she's screaming. We're all crying, and you know it's terrible. Know. But, but you can't stop once you take those bandages down. You just have to keep going no matter what. And we have to pop blisters as well, then with needles. Um, so obviously, trying to hold her while she's screaming is not very easy. And we can tear her skin then holding her as well. So 
tricky. I, I was I was thinking when when I was doing some research on the condition yesterday, and oh my God, I was I I didn't you know I always knew that it was a painful condition, but mm. you know, and to hear you, um, Rachel, the way you're describing what God help you, what you have to do, it struck me that one one of the hardest parts for you must be watching your little girl in pain. It is. Actually, I always say that this bandaging routine, as as horrible as it is, has actually become so normal for us now. Like, we know it's coming, we know what to expect, and we just get it done, and she's really happy once it's done, so that's okay. But it's everyday life and all the things that she can't do and that we have to watch. They're the hard parts, really, I find. You know, um even picking out clothes for her so she would have nothing with zips or buttons or anything like that that would touch her. And I always line the, the seams of her clothes that that could potentially blister her. I flatten those down so that kind of helps her. Um, the toys that she plays with, everything, anything that she sits on or has to be padded, you know, everything. It's just shoes, clothes, even brushing her teeth, eating, absolutely everything, you know, stuff you would never, ever think of. That's the really hard part. And you, and she's a two and a half year old little girl. You're you're trying your best to let her have a normal childhood. Yeah, yeah. It, it was very difficult for us actually at the start to to allow her to to live. You know, just to be normal and play with toys. That's how they learn. And just to try not to let her put everything into her mouth. I know. know. As they do. And now she's two and a half, and she's so full of energy. I don't know where she gets it from because she doesn't sleep. <laughs> so. <laughs> Um, but she runs around like any other two and a half year old and does all the normal things that they do. But you just have to watch her all the time. You just can't take her eyes off her. So. And she started play school? She did ah. and absolutely loves it. Ah. She's actually at home sick now today. So. Is she? <laughs> but she goes um, on a Tuesday and Thursday, which would be her non-bandaging days. So it's just something for her to do that's normal and play with other kids and nobody's poking at her and you know and to la- allow her to be a little girl just exactly to, yeah. yeah because it's besides the it, it is an external condition I didn't realise it also can affect internally so decided, for example yeah. getting a cold can be a real nightmare oh it's terrible she has a chest infection now at the moment so um, a sore throat for her means that she has blisters all over her throat and all in her mouth so even eating we're having to give her morphine just so she can get some food into her Um She's coughing then, so she's tearing those blisters and the lining of her esophagus as well. And just, I think she can actually deal with her general pain quite well. I think, you know, when you're born into it, you have a higher tolerance. But when she gets things like this, obviously it really, really knocks her, you know. So it's very, very tricky for us now at the moment. She's not sleeping. She doesn't sleep well anyway. Yeah. But she's really not sleeping at the moment now, so. And other than the bandages... Uh, is there any treatment? Is there any possible cure? Is there anywhere you can go to get Alana the help she needs or could need? There is no cure at the moment, but um, there was very exciting news recently now. That, um, there has been a gene therapy research that's been going on for the last nine years. Um, Professor Winkson Wang has been between NUIG and UCD for going on 10 years, actually, sorry. Um, it's a, a gel that can actually be applied to the skin and it will improve wound healing and the itch and generally strengthen the skin as well and so as I said it's not not a cure but it can improve life expectancy and it can just improve general life for these people 
Yeah, um, yeah, try and so. yeah, try and ease it for her and and ease yeah. and ease the ease the pain. Yeah. Deborah Ireland are the group who are organising this uh, the fundraising week, and I know there is there is uh, people can can donate to Deborah Ireland. How yeah. have Deborah Ireland helped you and Alana and the rest of the family? Helped us, they have just been fantastic. They have um, great support team there that we can just even pick up the phone and have a good rant if we need to, you know, <laughs> just get it off our chest. But they would, um, the likes of going to school now, they would kind of be behind the scenes working that out for us and um, just everything. If we need anything at all, even to talk to other families or anything like that, they'd arrange all that kind of thing for us. So they're fantastic. Okay, and how can people help this week on the fundraising side of it? Um, Well, you can donate any time, but this week, um, because it's EV Awareness Week, any apple green stores have butterfly tattoos. Okay. You can pop in and pick those up and you text butterfly to 50300 and that'll donate four euros to Deborah Ireland, which will go towards um, future fundraising, uh, future research projects. Then. OK, so text the word butterfly to 50300 for a four euro uh, donation. And you have yeah. another little, you have another little girl, Chloe. Is she older than Alana? She's. Nearly ten. Nearly ten. Nearly ten next month. And, yeah. and and obviously, when something like this happens in in a family, it affects everybody. I mean, oh, yeah. yeah. And is she good to help out? And is she very oh, understand? She's yeah. Fantastic. Yeah, but she's a ten year old too, so you have to. I know. Her, 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 I know. But she's great. She's very patient, and they have a great bond and have great fun and get up to loads of mischief together, and <laughs> you know. Just well, the normal sisterly things. It's so. it's a it's a tough journey you're on, uh, yeah. uh, Rachel. A continued good luck to you and uh, you. and to little Alana and to Greg and and Chloe, and uh, thanks a million for taking time out to talk no to us today. Thank you. You're listening to Cork today on replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Now, we had a young beauty therapist from Dunmanway who joined us on the programme this week, uh, Sarah DeLay. She was talking to us about uh, Boss Air and how, and how the fact she's a wheelchair user uh, due to her spina bifida. And she was having problems getting from West Cork into the city because none of the um, none of the uh, buses out of West Cork are uh, wheelchair accessible. Um, so we said we'd get on to Boss Aaron for her. And she'd, you know, she'd spoken about how difficult it had been for her to qualify as a beauty therapist therapist and you know she had so much uh, so much to get around in order to qualify and here she was now suddenly needed to get on the bus in order to get into the city so that she could work as a beauty therapist and gain experience etc and open up the world of work to her was suddenly curtailed because there wasn't any buses for her to get in, in from West Cork and I remember the extent of the time it's 2018 you know surely all buses are wheelchair accessible we know how strict the building regulations are and have been and rightly so for a number of years that they have to be uh, wheelchair accessible so I was really taken aback uh, by this so we got onto bus there. And it's the route 236 is the route out of West Cork into the city that Sarah needs to take. I also made the point to Sarah, she's not the only person who is a wheelchair user from West Cork. Anyway, Bus Aaron get, got back to us and they said that all Bus Aaron city services are low floor and they're 100% wheelchair accessible, which obviously we knew and we'd spoken about when we, uh, because Sarah had said she'd been in the city and there wasn't a problem. Bus Aaron uh, Route 236 is, however, a rural service that operates between Bantry, Dumanway and Cork and they have a different type of vehicle and they're not identified as a wheelchair accessible 
accessible route. Many parameters must be considered prior to the route being allocated. Which accessible, friendly, blah blah blah, and on and on and on it goes. And they talk about the the camber, which is the gradual downward slope of both the footpath and the road, and they need to be level for the lift of the coach, and on and on and on it goes. And basically saying no, uh, what Sarah told us on the program is right. Uh, they do not have wheelchair accessible buses in the West Cork area. Now they do at the end say that the both the National Transport Authority and Cork Arctic Council are responsible for bus stop infrastructure in Cork, kind of passing the buck, but Bus Aaron will continue to work with both stakeholders to address some of these particular issues in uh, Cork and they continue to work on a programme of more wheelchair accessible services across the nationwide network and ends, so ends the statement from Bus Aaron and sadly not of any real or good news for Sarah Delay but thank you to Sarah and well done I think for her for highlighting the issue on behalf of herself and other wheelchair users in uh, West Cork actually I saw local doll deputy Michael Collins is taking up the case as well so let's see if something can be done from a national level or from government level on this one now a 41 year old man uh, was sentenced to nine months in jail after he was convicted of stealing 700 euro from a 97 year old uh, man when he scammed the 97 year old out of this money the it happened in the scam happened at O'Keefe Super Value Car Park in Newmarket and the case was at Mallow District Court yesterday. Barry Roach, Southern Correspondent with the Irish Times, is writing about it in today's uh, paper. Good morning to you, Barry. Good morning. Uh, such a mean, mean crime. And you just your heart breaks to think of a 97-year-old man being duped out of any money, let alone a sum of €700. Euro. Tell us what happened. It's almost two years ago now. It was January of 2017. 2017, he's known uh, Dr Jack Burke, is retired GP. He's now 99 and he gave evidence in the court case in Mallow District Court before Judge um, Brian Sheridan. The background to it is that on the, uh, the 19th of January 2017, he was going doing his shopping at Super Value in Newmarket. He pulled into the car park himself and he was walking with his shopping trolley towards the rear entrance when this other car pulled in and a man beckoned to him. The man pulled up towards and parked near the entrance and lowered the window. And uh, Dr. Burke said to the man, as I passed, he wanted me to see me. He said he wanted to see me for a minute. He said there was some trouble with notes. He said he was a policeman and he showed me an identification document and a badge. Now, when he was questioned about this by defence uh, barrister Eugene Manley, he said he couldn't remember whether the man said he was a policeman or a bank official. But he asked him for money. Uh, had he any notes on him? Because there was a lot of forged notes going around. It's about 700 euros that he had on him in 50 euro notes and a couple of 20s and a 10. The man said he wanted to look at them. He handed them over to him. The man put some mark on them and then suddenly was gone. Drove off in the car. He described him as being well-dressed, wearing a tweed jacket and grey short, in mid-40s or in his 40s in a stocky build with dark hair and well-spoken. But he, there was no threat of violence or anything like that. He, the matter was reported to Gardaí and um, Detective uh, Garda Podrick Reddington from Cantorque uh, was assigned the task of investigating it. He downloaded some CCTV footage from O'Keefe Super Value. The incident was recorded, but it wasn't clear from the CCTV the identity of the driver or the registration number on the car. They couldn't make that out. But he was able to establish that it was a black Volvo S40. So he then ran a check on black Volvo S40s in the Garda Pulse system. And he saw a black Volvo S40 had been sold by a man called John Kelson in Cove on January 10th, nine days earlier, to a guy called John Breen of Barrett Street in Waterford. So 
so he asked a colleague of his in Cove, uh, Gardner Nicole Lochna, to interview or talk to John Kelsall. John Kelsall told the court that he'd advertised the car on, on January 10th in Dundee and uh, and Eve Mako, and um, he got a call from a man who told him to John Green from Barrett Street, from Barrett Street in Waterford, and he filled in the details of the log, car logbook before selling him the car for 500 euros. But when Gadda Rington went to check, he found that there wasn't any street in Waterford called Barrett Street. But he did find there was a Barrick Street and there was a John O'Brien living at home, the same number on Barrick Street as opposed to Barrett Street. So he also got the number. Sorry, when Gadda Mr. Kelsall couldn't remember the phone number that the man rang him on to buy the car. But at the time, Gadda Lochnan, he showed the car, his phone to Gadda Lochnan, who took down the number. So she was able to give that to Garda, Detective Garda Reddington, who in turn gave it to his colleague, Detective Garda, Mike Thompson, who's involved or is based with the um, Garda Electronic Crime Investigation Unit. So he ran the check on the, the phone number. It turned out to be a prepaid, unregistered phone, a burner phone, so he couldn't trace the owner. Oh, so it seemed to hit, hit a, a, a black wall there. But in fairness to him, he then went and checked with the service provider when had his last been topped up with credit? So he found three uh, top-ups around the time. One was in uh, January 27th, uh, about a week afterwards, in uh, Eagers News Agents in Killarney. Uh, one was in Kerwin's Pharmacy in Kilmac Thomas on the 2nd of February. And the third was in uh, Carboyle in Gorton, County Galway on February the 8th. God, this so guy's getting around. This guy's getting around, but yeah. in fairness, the... the, 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 the the constabulary said what we're on his case though with the, with the uh, extraordinary tenacity he, uh, Detective Gary Thompson contacted the three places that uh, he bought the top up at and he got CCTV footage from two of them the Clarny news agent and Cora Boyle he showed that to Detective Gary Reddington and he recognised the man buying the credit phone credit on the CCTV as uh, uh, John Buddy O'Brien whom he'd known for about 10 years so, he also, in fairness, he, Detective Gardner also checked with Garda colleagues and they got some more footage of John Buddy O'Brien in a garage in Leamy Brain on the 16th of January, a couple of days before this incident, three days before, and at a fast food in Ballancolic, four days afterwards on January 23rd. And in the Ballancolic and Killarney footage, he was wearing, John Buddy O'Brien was wearing a tweed jacket and shirt, as described by uh-huh. uh, Dr. Burke. And then in the Leamy Brain one, he was wearing a tweed jacket, short and tight. And they were all in keeping with the descriptions given to them by uh, Dr. Bott. Now, there was more <laughs> investigation than that. a Thompson then checked the phone activity on January the 19th, the day of the incident, and found that it was uh, act, or the call was made at Kilcommon between Killarney and what would be the route to North Cork at about 11.30 a.m. In, mor- in the morning. The incident happened at 4 p.m. in the afternoon. There was no activity from 11.30am until about 5 to 6 when it pinged at a mast in Roxburgh and Limerick. So the actual period when the incident happened, was it, was, it, was, it wasn't active. Detective Gatter Reddington then as well, um, the Volvo had been seized in Cork City in an unrelated matter in March of 2017. And he asked the forensic uh, guard investigator, John Ford, to take photographs of the car. And when he compared the photographs of the Volvo that John Kelsall had sold to the John Green man, um, he found that it had striking similarities and that 
um, the tax risk and insurance risk weren't sort of neatly tucked down in the windscreen as, as usual, but were located elsewhere. The metal alloys matched and the cream trim matched. And he said there was a striking resemblance between the car uh, that John Kelsall had sold, which he had photographed, and the car that was in the CCTV image. Now, when he was cross-examined by Eugene Manley for John Buddy O'Brien, he fully accepted that he couldn't identify the driver on the CCTV, nor could he identify the registration in the car. All he could say was that there was a resemblance in terms of the metal alloys, the uh, uh, tax dislocation on the windscreen and the trim. So that essentially was the Garda case. Um, Mr. Manley made an application for dismissal on the basis that there was a discrepancy in the Garda evidence regarding the impersonation. And Mr. Tony Sullivan said, yeah, he had no issue with that, Mr. Dr. Burke had said in the statement that he was a policeman, but then in court said he wasn't sure was he a policeman or a bank official. So the impersonating the guard charge was, was dropped. dismissed. Was dropped or dismissed. God, it was, it was some so investigation work by the Gardaí, wasn't it? They were like a dog with a bone. I mean, it was, it was, I mean this, uh, there's three months of solid, you know, they go to Cove, they go to Killarney, they go to, or they contact Killarney. It was seriously Incredible. impressive. A slogging no by a, uh, a team led by Detective Garda Reddington. But uh, Judge, and I got it through all because Judge Sheridan said that uh, he felt the state had done enough to prove the case. So he convicted John Buddy O'Brien of the uh, theft charge, dismissed the impersonating the guard charge, but convicted him of the theft charge and uh, jailed him for nine months. He heard, uh, had he asked, had he any previous convictions? And we heard that he had 109 previous, including five for theft, 23 for larceny. And four for impersonating a guard. No, the impersonating a guard charges, as the same was struck out or was dismissed. But he had previous to that, so he got nine months. And so he's been doing the, he's been doing this before. Uh, and the fact he that he was tra- he was travelling around, he uh, and and we're, we're, whenever we talk about scams like this, Barry, we're always saying to listeners, while it might be in Newmarket today, it could be in Bantry tomorrow, it could be in Dingle next week. You know, these guys they do move around. Well, certainly, as I say, the impersonating charge didn't stand up, but uh, the test did, and he was, uh, as I say, that was market, but the CCTV footage in Remy Brown, Ballon College, no charges, anything of Bryson there, Gort, but just in terms of his his field of travel, as it were, mm. wide. But uh, no, it was, a, it, was a, it was a long court case now, to be honest, and uh, I mean, it went on for about four, four hours or so, but... You know, and it was very peacefully put together and presented by Inspector Tony Sullivan because he had to go. We had to, we had the CCTV from Supervalue. Then we had the car sale in Cove. Then we were back to the phone in Cove. Then from the phone in Cove to uh, purchase top ups in Killarney, uh, Gort. So there was real, seriously impressive detective work done. And now I must say, by the, by the whole lot of them, but particularly this one, Patrick Reddington, who showed a great tenacity to stick with it and got his reward when um, the judge convicted. No, John Buddy O'Brien has uh, recalled instances what fixed in the event of appeal, so presumably he will, but uh, at the moment he's, he was taken away on... Um, and and Dr meeting. Jack Burke, who's now 99, bless his heart, he was in court yesterday. He was in court for... Uh, no, he, he went on for four hours, so he, he stayed for his... stayed for a period after stretching this evening, so his relatives took him away at that stage. But I mean, at 99, it was, um, you know, a remarkable man. Great no, man. Eugene Ma- Manley, the defence barrister, sort of paid tribute to him for his 
willingness to attend and so forth. And, you know, it was done with great courtesy and uh, politeness. But um, no, at 99, you know, I'm sure man would prefer to be other places. Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. Shocking that it, that it happened yeah. to him at all. But uh, listen, thank you for that. And um, good to know this guy is off the street and, and is in jail as um, for, well, for nine months, whether he'll serve the whole nine months. That's, of course, if he doesn't appeal. All right, Barry, we leave it there. Thank you for that. Thanks a million. That is uh, Barry Roach, who is the writing about this story, uh, Southern correspondent uh, for the Irish Times. Beware of that scam because that guy, um, John Buddy O'Brien, he's not the first to do that scam. And by God, unfortunately, he won't be the last. I've been asked to say well done to the three lads from Clonakilty who've reached the summit of Kilimanjaro this morning. Sean and Owen Mullins and Brendan Farr. Owen is raising funds for West Cork Rapid Response Crumlin Children's Hospital and Brendan is raising funds for Bumbleins and Make-A-Wish. They funded the entire trip themselves. So every donation they receive going to charity. That is a, it's an amazing achievement to get to the top of uh, Kilimanjaro. So well done to the lads, Sean and Owen Mullins and uh, Brendan Farr. 1850 Lines open. C103 Jobs. Picky scaffolding hire. They have vacancies for scaffolders, labourers, PVC fishers and a safe pass will be an advantage. Part-time childminder required for the Monabi area. It's to mind children in the children's own home and part-time and full-time healthcare assistant required for Araglan Nursing Home. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. Court today. With Breedhaven Nursing Home Mallow. It's family run, so your loved one will feel at home. See breedhaven.ie. C103. And some reaction to people listening to my piece with uh, Barry Roach about that 41-year-old John Buddy O'Brien, a native of Clash Road, Abbey Field in County Limerick with an address at Barrick Street in Walford who was found guilty yesterday sentenced to nine mo- nine months in jail for stealing and it is stealing 700 euro from Dr Jack Burkwell impersonating as a member from Garda Corner. but listening to Barry going down through the lengths that the local Gardaí went to to pin this case on this guy is just incredible. I mean, as Barry said, the tenacity of the guards. I mean, they just look like somebody, a dog with a bone. They were not giving in. Jim says, Patricia, fair play to all the guards involved in this particular case and the great lengths they went to to find the culprit of that poor man duped out of his money. And the Gardaí don't always get credit, but they deserve great credit in this case. And hopefully Mr O'Brien's sentence fits the crime when he did get nine months. But I think it's when you... The actual what he did, I mean, to to dupe, you know... Dr. O'Brien is 99 now. He was 97. An elderly man, you know, but an elderly independent man out doing his own shopping as he should be. And if you have to live to be 97, isn't that the way to be that you're able to get into your car and pop down to the shops and get your trolley and get your own bits and pieces that that you want to buy? But something like this, and I'm I'm hoping it's not because they paid reference to the fact that Dr. O'Brien Dr. Burke, sorry, uh, was in court uh, yesterday and I hope that it hasn't in any way Identity's confidence because that can happen when an older person something like this happens 
it's like when an older person has a fall, it can completely take their confidence away and then they're afraid to go outside the door again for fear they're going to fall again. But if something like this, something nasty like this happens, and there was no violence or anything like that, uh, thank God, but just the very fact that his €700 Euro was taken from him, it can just really dent somebody's confidence. So I'm hoping that that hasn't happened in this case. But it was to hear of what a nice man this John Buddy O'Brien uh, is. He has a, he had 109 previous convictions, including five for theft, 23 for larceny, as well as four for impersonating a Garda. So he's obviously done this type, this this type of crime before. And how often have we discussed on this programme about people not always reporting crime? You could, the, this I'm going to use the word and I shouldn't I, won't, I, I, I have to try and stop myself from using words I shouldn't be using this man okay, I won't even say gentleman this person this John Buddy O'Brien the very fact that he already has four convictions for impersonating a guard there how many times has he done it and got away with it how many times has he called to somebody's house letting on to be a member of Angarda Corner? how many times has he done like what he did with uh, with Dr Burke at a supermarket approaching somebody when they came out of a Garda station and then people realise that they've been duped people realise that they've been scammed and people get very embarrassed about it and feel how could I have been that stupid and then don't report it it's one of the reasons that we're always saying to people and no matter what the crime is no matter how small the crime is no matter how silly you may feel because you've been duped we need more and more people to report these crimes and then we also need the tenacity that was shown by the Gardaí in the North Cork area who went after this guy and decided you know hell or bust we are going to get him and they did and they went to extraordinary lengths to track this this guy down but definitely the streets will be a lot safer with this man I mean 109 previous convictions so I, you know I'm assuming he's been to jail before I mean how do you how how do you rehabilitate somebody like that? I mean, even if he does, you know, he, even if he doesn't appeal and he decides to go to jail for the nine months, he won't serve. I mean, I don't know what after the nine months, will he serve six? Don't they get time off for good behaviour and all of this? And he'll be back out, you know, in sometime in the, in the new year. I mean, what, what has he learned from being in court yesterday? What, what would he learn from going to jail? Do we do any kind of rehabilitation you know did, did he look at Dr Burke yesterday did he apologise did he acknowledge him you know you just 109 convictions add now he's now has 110 convictions just I don't know I just I just I don't know how we ever end how we stop those kind of scam artists I mean he's a 41 year old man does he not has he a father has he a grandfather yet to could he not? How can you look at an elderly man and decide I'm going to steal this money from you? I'm, you know, I'm going to dupe you and take this money off you. And by all, you know, by D- Dr. Burke was saying he was well dressed, he was well spoken, he obviously presented himself very well. You know, good, good at what he does. It's, uh, but unfortunately, it's not a job that we want him to be doing. Anyway, eighteen fifty, three 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 one zero three. A listener says, listening to Barry Roach. Uh, speaking to you on the programme and talking about that guy taking the money from vulnerable people. Well, some guy took money from my 83-year-old neighbour years ago saying he was from Revenue 
and that my 83-year-old neighbour owed the money. Imagine an 83-year-old old, old, owing money to revenue. God help him. Well done to the Gardaí for their work on the, on this uh, case. Uh, what happened to my neighbour happened in the Kilavolin parish a number of years ago. And how an 83-year-old... Again, they target the age group because they're a very trusting age group. I mean, if somebody arrived to your door saying they're from Revenue, hand over your money because you, cause you owe it, I would run them from the door. I mean, I literally would run them from the door. But an 83-year-old gets very fearful that they owe money to anyone. I mean, they are the generation that never owed money. They never had outstanding bills. They put away money every week in order to have money to pay their bills. So when somebody comes knocking on their door to say, you owe money to revenue, that just frightens the life out of them. Frightens the life out of them. And that poor man, uh, in that case, in the Kilavallan area, handed over the cash, which is just just um, shocking. Um, and by the way, somebody else sent in a text earlier on saying, good morning, Patricia. I hope your event in Bandon went well last night. My event in Bandon didn't go well last night because it wasn't on last night, it's on tonight. This is the event for the Skibbereen and Bandon Credit Union where we're having a Women in Agriculture event tonight. It's open to everyone. It's free of charge, by the way, if you want to come along from 8 o'clock tonight. We're going to have a number of key... One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow wherever you are. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Note speakers who will address different topics when it comes to um, things like uh, farm paperwork, family succession, and mental well-being. Well, mental well-being got mentioned yesterday when that lovely na- lady Fanola Colgan joined us for Mental Health Ireland. She's going to be giving tips on you know, well-being and how we can, you know, and we can all do with looking after our well-being. So it's the Monster Arms Hotel tonight at eight o'clock. If people want to come along, as I say, it is free of uh, charge. They were looking for people to register. But don't worry about that. If you haven't registered, uh, we'll squeeze you in somewhere if you turn up. By, by uh, for, but it is for uh, eight o'clock tonight. 
Uh, John Paul taking your calls 1850 you can text her WhatsApp 0862 Cork today with Breedhaven Nursing Home Mallow it's family run so your loved one will feel at home see breedhaven.ie C103 and for this week's crime file we are going to Bandingar the station where we're joined by Sergeant Ian O'Callaghan good morning to you Ian good morning uh, and you're welcome you want to start with just notifying people that the Skull Guard the station is closing for 8 weeks what's this about uh, that's right there's some uh, remedial works uh, taking place uh, for an eight-week period and the station will be closing from next Wednesday, the 24th of October until the 19th of December. Um, I suppose we just want to apologise to the public uh, down in the mizzen, but to reassure them that uh, the service won't be affected as regards uh, members will be working from the nearby Ballady Hob Garda station and regular opening hours uh, will continue as normal from there and will be advertised locally in local post offices and shops, Patricia. OK, and once the remedial work is is finished in eight weeks' time, the Gardaí will be back in Skull Garda Station because people dread uh, to think that they're going to lose their Garda Station. But that's not happening, it's just remedial work uh, for the eight weeks. The, this year's Youth Awards? Yes, our closing date is, is fast approaching. And just a reminder for listeners there that here in West Cork, it's uh, taking place in the end of November in Castletown Bear this year. And if anybody in the Clonakilty, Bandon, Bantry or McCroom, Garda district areas knows any young person who is doing some good voluntary work in their area, um, to please uh, consider nominating that person if they're aged between 13 and 21. Uh, you can apl- um, nominate the person online on the Garda website and just input into the search engine Youth Awards and you will see West Cork Garda Youth Awards or alternatively West Cork Garda Youth Awards at Garda.ie. Send a quick email and we will send you out a nomination form to return to us, Patricia. Okay, talking of young people, young people get very excited. They're heading for mid-term and of course Halloween is next week. You've got Operation Tombola and this is to do with uh, fireworks and, should we say, illegal fireworks? Yes, it's everything to do with just, I suppose, everybody having a safe time over the Halloween period and Paramount uh, in this operation is um, a zero tolerance in relation to fireworks possession or sale of same and it carries very serious penalties 10,000 euro fine and up to five years in prison and even indeed our colleagues in Limerick only recently arrested two men at, at a road traffic checkpoint who were found in possession of over 2,000 euro worth of fireworks and only uh, recent days a young teenage girl in, in the Cork City uh, who was handling a firework um, received serious facial and hand injuries. So that in itself just really highlights the dangers with fireworks and to remind people they are illegal and um, can be very, very dangerous and potentially fatal. And for everybody, I suppose, particularly parents of younger persons, uh, to be aware where they are on the night of Halloween and to remind them uh, to be safe. Yeah, and I know in the next hour when we're doing our, our pet slot, we'll be uh, offering words of advice because when the and when the bangers and things go off as well, are the illegal fireworks, they can frighten the life out of animals and we always get inundated at this time of year with uh, dogs and uh, cats going missing because they get spooked by the noises. Oh, they do very much so. And uh, again, that is just another element of the dangers and the concerns that we would have in relation to people who may be considering uh, using 
fireworks over the Halloween period. Okay, we want to go to some crimes that we're looking for uh, listeners' help with, uh, starting with a, a hit and run in Bandon that happened on the 12th of October. Yes. Um, now, I suppose to be fair, this may well be a scenario where the driver, um, in this instance, because the driver uh, was, was drawing a trailer with no load at the time, may well have not been aware that the trailer collided with the side of a parked car. But we are anxious uh, to speak. Uh, maybe the driver of this vehicle uh, is listening. It happened on the 12th of October at Church Street in Bandon at around half one in the afternoon. A parked car, as I said, was struck. And the vehicle that was drawing the trailer was described as an old red Isuzu-type Jeep with light-coloured trim running along uh, the lower door sections of the Jeep. So um, just an appeal if that driver of that vehicle is indeed listening. Would uh, there have been damage done to the trailer? Uh, possibly not, Patricia, no, okay. which, which may lead us to believe that innocently this um, driver may not have known uh, that the collision occurred yeah. with the trailer. But there was damage done to the car? There was. Ah, there was. Okay. All right. Um, an attempt to break in at a house on Cork Road in Bandon. Yes, this happened exactly two weeks ago on the 11th of October, um, a morning time between 9.30am and 10.30am. And there was an attempt made to force uh, two garage doors open and a number of windows at the residential property as well. And that was Cork Road, Bandon. Uh, so it might jog somebody's memory uh, from this day two weeks ago that morning if anybody can recall seeing anything or anybody acting suspiciously in the general area to contact us here in Bandon Station. OK, well, that was an attempted break-in. There was a break-in Temple Martin near Bandon. There was uh, in the townland of Nakaduma. Uh, this happened uh, last Sunday week on the 14th of October. A house uh, which had been vacant for, for a period of weeks uh, beforehand this was entered uh, by a front window being forced and a red garden strimmer was stolen as well as various silver cups. So again, Gardaí and Bandon are investigating uh, that break-in. A licensed premises in Ballinhasic is our next protocol. Yes, uh, in Ballinhasic in Caledi there um, on only the start of this week, uh, Monday morning at 20 past four, uh, the licensee was awoken uh, to a noise and ultimately found somebody fleeing the premises having stolen a sum of cash. So that would be 4.20 in the morning just in case any listener uh, may have been on that road or the offending vehicle if the person was using a vehicle um, entered on or encroached onto the N71 nearby um, to please contact us here in Bandon also. And a commercial premises was broken into this time in Bandon. Yes, this has only happened, I suppose, just at 17 minutes past 12 uh, this morning um, at Bandon Business Park. And what happened here uh, was there was a door of the commercial premises was entered. There was nothing actually stolen, but what was, or there was actually nothing cash-wise stolen, but what was taken, interestingly, was a CCTV hard drive. So a, a reminder to business owners who are doing the right thing by having their premises covered by CCTV, mm. it's always to ensure your hard drive is securely locked away and out of view. There was a theft uh, incident in Gardaí in Cantork investigating. Yes, in Cantork there. Um, now this was, I suppose, these were tools taken from 
an exposed barn and again a reminder to, particularly to farmers or anybody who has tools stored at home uh, to make sure there's never anything left exposed uh, they should be in a secure locked uh, location this happened on the eighth between the 18th and the 20th of october at fairfield in drama in Cantorque, and there was two chainsaws stolen here one an orange husk van a chainsaw and the other a johnsard model red in color and it was also an old copper cylinder taken as well during the course of that theft incident. Criminal damage in, in Kalekill in that graffiti was sprayed on the wall entrance to a farm. This is kind of an unusual one for, a, is, for it, a rural area. It is very unusual and uh, Gardaí and Kalekill and Bantry are investigating this. Now this happened, it would have been daylight um, on Sunday the 21st of October, uh, Sunday gone by, between 5.30 and 6.30pm in the evening. Uh, this happened on Kusan Road. Um, people unfamiliar with the area who might pass through the Bantry line areas, it's known. It's just approximately about one mile um, on the Domanway side of Kalekill, and it's on the public road, and it was graffiti painted onto the wall of a farm entrance. Okay, and unfortunately, we're back to breaking in cars. You five to report. Five, unfortunately, and you will see as I go through them a recurring team that we have mentioned over the years, Patricia. Um, the first two incidents occurred at the same location in Geerach, in Tullock Track, in McCroom. Um, the first of which happened on a Saturday, 13th of October, a half hour period between 20 past six in the evening and 10 to seven, a popular walking and running area. In this instance, the injured party parked up to go for a run. And sadly, when she returned to her car, found a side window smashed and a handbag stolen uh, from the car. The next day at the same location, uh, between 11.17am and 11.37am, so again, just a short time period, 20 minutes, again, a lady returned uh, to her car to find the window smashed and again, a handbag stolen. On the 15th of October, which is Monday, uh, this is only a 10-minute period where this happened, uh, just off the main street and in the Shannon there at the new playground facility in the car park there. Again, a lady uh, returned to her car, found the window smashed and handbag stolen again from the footwell of the car. And on the 16th of October, Tuesday evening, uh, down in Adry Gold GA Club, there was a meeting taking place. There was two cars entered, one forcibly by smashing a window and a handbag stolen and another car which was unlocked. Uh, there was a shopping voucher taken from that car. You can't leave. I mean, and, and even when you say it only took 10 minutes, it doesn't even take 10 minutes. Like they, can, they can be in and out in seconds, can't they? It's Oh, seconds. You, just, seconds, you can't you leave know. anything. You can't leave anything of value. You need to sca- scan the car, no matter where you're parking it, no matter h- how short a period of time. It's unfortunate that we can't, that trust is no longer there uh, anymore. OK, uh, you've had a busy, busy crime file uh, this week. You want to give a mention to the West Cork Black Tie Open Ball? Uh, yes, uh, after a break of a number of years, uh, delighted to announce that we're holding uh, West Cork Garda Gala Ball um, on Saturday the 17th of November at the Fernhill House Hotel in Clonakilty. Uh, great night is guaranteed. Every It's open to everybody to attend. We'd love to see lots of members of the public uh, attending. Tickets are available from uh, Clonakilty, Bantry, Bandon and McCroom Garda stations and a five-course 
Uh, meal and champagne reception commencing from 6.30pm. And an opportunity always to get dressed up. It is, and it's in aid of a great, um, a, a great cause, West Cork Rapid Response. Ah, fantastic, fantastic, good cause. OK, and you also have a coffee morning happening in the Garda Station in Bandon. Uh, this is next month, which is only next week, in November, uh, for local charities. Yeah, just for people, in anybody, it's open to come in, uh, meet the local Garda here in Bandon. We're delighted to meet the public and come in, see the facilities in the Garda station and again uh, an enjoyable coffee morning uh, will be had here and it's in aid of uh, St Michael's Centre at uh, the local tidy towns and the local play uh, have, you, have you a date on that? It's the 14th of November 14th between 9.30am and 12.30 Okay and most people don't don't have reason thankfully to go into Garda station so it's always good when an event like that happens it gives you an opportunity to go in as well and see what happens inside in a Garda station Okay we leave it there thank you for that Ian have a lovely week Thank you and uh, we'll talk again soon that is Sergeant Ian O'Callaghan based at Banton Garda station You're listening to Cork Today on Replay Phone and text lines are currently closed uh, text in reacting to the story of that man who was uh, found guilty and sentenced to nine months in jail for scamming a local doctor in the North Cork area out of €700. Euro. The, the, the scam happened about uh, two years ago, but great detective work on behalf of Angarda Siogana attracted down to this guy, John Buddy O'Brien. Um, one of our Johns listening to the programme says, Patricia, was there restitution paid yesterday? I wondered. No mention of it. There was no mention of it and, and certainly Barry Roach, I think, would have mentioned it because, and, and thinking about it, if this guy was to pay restitution, he basically would have been admitting he, he did it. He turned up in court claiming he didn't do it and then it was up to the Gardaí who had to go to great lengths to show that he was the guy who scammed Dr Burke out of the €700 back in January of 2017. And of course, I think what shocked most people was the fact 109 previous uh, convictions, of which four were for impersonating a Gardaí, which shows that this guy had a form. And Anne said, any person who keeps re-offending and are entitled to free legal aid, they simply should not get it. But unfortunately, that's not the way our court system works. And I can see where you're coming from. I think a lot of people would agree with you that if you keep reoffending and you keep turning up in court and then you you know you're going to get free legal aid, it, it, there should be there should be at some stage somebody standing up and say, no, we've had enough of this. How can we keep how can you keep coming in, keep doing these crimes, either getting off or going to jail and then expecting the state to pick up the tab for your free legal aid? Yeah, I think Anna Lott would agree with you. But as I say, that's not the way the rules work. Somebody's asked me to give a mention to an event that's happening just kind of outside of our area. It's in Ardmore in County Waterford. It's a fundraiser for their local... Uh, conference of St Vincent de Paul but it's the legendary singer Johnny McAvoy who I know will have a lot of fans in the area he's playing a special concert in St Declan's Church in Ardmore it's happening tomorrow night at 8 and the organisers have contacted us by text because a small number of tickets still remain which will be on sale at the gate from 7 o'clock tomorrow night if you're a fan of Johnny McAvoy and you want to go along 30 euro admission but it's in anything we can do to support local branches of the Society of St Vincent de Paul because they do wonderful work and they're coming into an extremely busy busy time so that is in St Declan's Church in Ardmore 
tomorrow night. Danny was on, is shocked to hear about the school building defects and cannot believe that this has been allowed to happen, particularly after when we went through some dodgy building work that went on during the boom when they were throwing up houses and we've had God help the people that are living in houses with pyrite. And, you know, we thought we'd learned and that it would never happen again. And Danny's just saying, cannot believe that this is happening with what was taxpayers' money because it's school building projects. And, of course, Danny is referring to the... Uh, this kicked off with a school in Dublin. It was an, a, a school in North Cork. The inspectors went in and they found an 80% chance of an external wall falling outwards in the case of a structural fa- failure that they say could happen if there was a storm force wind. We've already had a few very stormy days. We know what happened with Storm Ophelia last year. And I suppose this school can breathe a sigh of relief that the school didn't come down during Storm Ophelia. But the fact that it was that it's an external wall. It could have happened as children were out at play or children walking into school or going out from school. Can you imagine the news coverage we would have of watching that story unfold if, God forbid, something like that happened? Minister for Education, Joe McHugh, all over this, obviously. He said the findings were an example of the kind of potential risks facing students and staff in schools which are now the subject of safety checks because it isn't just one school. The Department of Education are now checking the structural safety of 42 schools that were built over the past decade or more all built by the same company. It's a Northern Ireland based company called Western Building Systems. And what what they're now doing is they're looking at the 42 schools that were built by this company and then decisions on whether to close future schools will be based on the outcome of the safety checks. And of course, when you hear 42 schools, which I did yesterday, I straight away said, oh my God, I wonder how many of these schools are going to be here in our area in Cork. So I was on the internet straight away trying to find out what schools have been affected and we have ended up with four schools in the Cork area that were built during the time period by this particular company, Western Building Systems, WBS. They are based and uh, they work out of Northern Ireland. And one of the schools is actually the Gwale Skull in Clonakilty. And my heart kind of sank when I saw it was the Gwale Skull in Clon because we'd done countless interviews on this programme about the need for the Gwale Skull in Clon. And then there was so much celebration and excitement when it finally got the go ahead and then the day that it finally opened. So I was thinking, oh, please, God, let everything be OK after the inspection we're going to have to wait and see the other schools here in Cork is the Educate Together National School in Carrigaline Skull Porignefa that's in Rochester and the McCroom Boys National School is another one so there's four for the Cork uh, area the most of the focus I'm told is on 30 or so schools which were built during what the department called their Rapid Build Programme so that was between 2007 and 2013 under the initiative some schools were built within three months and you kind of have to now stop and question how do they how do they manage to get those schools up so fast and now you're starting to think were they cutting corners was there dodgy work uh, going on so we now wait 
the inspections are going on and we wait and see. There was a little bit of relief yesterday when the inspection on one skull, one whale skull up in Dublin, which was one, I don't know if it was one of the 42, but it was one of the ones that was built uh, last year by the same company and they went straight in there to take a look there and it didn't reveal any significant issues. So that school is okay and, uh, you know, the, the children could go about their business and be in school today and tomorrow and then break up uh, for their midterm term. But now a question mark hanging over the 42 schools, the inspections go on. I suppose as we're heading into a midterm, it's a good time they'll be able to do the inspections while the midterm is on so as not to disrupt uh, schools. But the schools that already have been forced uh, to close, they don't know when they're going to reopen and how much money is this going to cost, who's going to pick up all of the bills, etc, etc, etc. It is an ongoing story that we will keep a very careful eye on, particularly the fact that some of our own schools are caught up in the middle of it. And Linda was on uh, she's very annoyed that the government is picking up the money to rebury the little babies in the tomb baby scandal and is wondering why the Bon Secours nuns are not paying the full price and why is the Catholic Church not picking up the tab? Why should we, because ultimately it will be we, the taxpayer, why should we be paying the bill? Now I know the Children's Minister Catherine Sapone, she says the Pope has failed to respond to a request for the Vatican to contribute and seemingly she brought this up with Pope Francis during his visit to Ireland. She said, fair juice to her, she said to him during that visit that the church needs to contribute towards the cost of excavating the remains of the hundreds, we're unsure of how many, but we believe it runs into hundreds of children and little babies, many of course fear buried in, buried in the sewerage works of the Bon Secure Mother and Baby Home in uh, Tume. And she actually said to the Pope, come on, the church needs to cough up and pay up some of the money because there will be a huge uh, cost uh, involved. Now the government has approved a plan to exhume the remains in a mass grave in uh, Tume. It's going to be all part of a major forensic investigation and the cost is expected. They're unsure but they reckon somewhere between 6 million and it could go up to 13 million. Now the Bon Secure sisters, they've come in straight away and say they are willing to donate but they will donate 2.5 million towards the project. Now that's has been accepted in principle by the government but some are now saying you need to go back and look for more. If it is, let's look at the upper end. If it does go to 13 million is it fair that the nuns only contribute 2.5 million of the 13 million? Certainly campaigners are saying the offer by the nuns of 2.5 million is too low. The historian Catherine Corliss, the woman that we should all bow down in front of because if it wasn't for Catherine Corliss's work this scandal would never, ever have been exposed. While she was mentioned, while she welcomed what Catherine Sapone announced uh, this week, she also straight away said that the bond secure order should be paying at least half of the eventual cost. She's not saying they should pay it all, but she says they should pay at least half. She points out that the order made money from these uh, children. And uh, she said there's also no doubt that many of them were neglected and they were severely neglected and the neglect led to their death. And then even after they died, look what happened to burying them in the sewerage system of the, the septic tank of the mother and baby home in Tune. Uh, Anna Corrigan then is with the Tune Babies Family Group. She said the government had made, had made an, an important, an exceptionally important uh, decision, but she also said the onus is on the order to put more money uh, forward. And as I say, Catherine Sabone still hopeful that the Pope might 
force the Catholic Church to pay up. Now, the plan for Tume involves a phased forensic investigation of the site and then the, the recovery of the remains insofar that will be possible. Uh, this will first involve tests excavations to locate the potential burials because they don't see they don't know how many babies are buried there many children are buried there and they don't know how many burial sites they're actually dealing with there will be a forensic analysis of any recovered remains and where possible they will do identification via DNA testing arrangement then will be made for a very respectful burial there will be a memorialisation and obviously then conservation of the site. Also, Catherine Sabone said every effort will be made to locate and recover all juvenile remains from the site to mother and baby home. In case you need reminding, was an, an unmarried was a home for unmarried pregnant women, who and they gave birth there from 1925 up to 1961. They were, the women then were separated from their children. They were required to do unpaid work in the home for a year, kind of a payback for being allowed to have their babies there. Then the children stayed. They were either fostered, adopted, and then indeed some went on to uh, industrial schools. Catherine Corliss and her tireless work discovered 796 child deaths at the home were registered with no burial Location, And then, of course, in March of last year, the Commission of Investigation into Mother and Baby Homes reported that significant quantities of human remains had been discovered at the site, many of them in the septic tank. So that would explain why there was no record of the burial. Catherine Sapone could not say when the excavation work would begin as legislation only needed to be passed. But I heard yesterday they're hoping that it's going to be early in the uh, new year. She also, by the way, hasn't ruled out the possibility of sim- similar projects going on at other mother and baby homes where there are unknown burial grounds. So far, the Tomb Mother and Baby Home is the only site where the Commission has confirmed the process of uh, juvenile remains. I mean, closer to home, and we always try and bring these stories uh, closer to home. Besber, mother and baby home, operated as a mother and baby home for many, many, many years. We know, as with Tumen, as with all the mother and baby homes, there was deaths. Do we know where these babies have been buried? Do we know the circumstances in which these babies have been buried? Do we, do we know about their, their deaths? And I know a report by the special uh, uh, rapporteur on child protection, Dr. Jetfrey Shannon. He said that family members might have the right to have their loved one's body returned to them uh, to um, so that they could bury them with family members because some of the families who know that they had a loved one in two mothers and baby home and who know that, you know, they went on to have a baby. You know, they talk about them like that baby would have been my baby brother or would have been my older brother would have been my sister or would have been my aunt uh, etc and for family members they think it's important that you know that if the remains are discovered I think any of us would I think if any of us found out that the remains of one of our family members were buried somewhere like a septic tank and you got the opportunity what would you like to do with the remains and you were given the opportunity to bury, bury them with a loved one I think we would all 
we would all go with that. I mean, we're very, res- particularly in this country, we're very respectful of the dead and we wait the way we bury the dead and then how we respect them afterwards and the way we look after our graveyards, etc. So, you know, I wouldn't be at all surprised to hear family members saying, yes, absolutely, if you can do the DNA testing, if the DNA testing uh, is, one, you know, as 100% accurate as it can be and you can prove that th- those babies' remains belong to our family, I think family members will come forward and say, yes, we would like them to be buried uh, with our other uh, family members. And I read in today's paper that pressure is building on the Bon Secure nuns to make a bigger and a more substantial contribution to the cost of exhuming and identifying remains of the children buried in Tume. And company records have revealed that the order received almost four million or they receive four million euro annually from the private hospital group which bears its name and of course they lease out the hospital and the buildings and then there's interest on the loans and all of that so they make about 4 million a year so they are a wealthy order of nuns which would lead you to believe that they could afford to hand over more than 2.5 million euro 1850 John Paul taking your calls you can text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103 with a reminder that we're looking for your pet questions uh, Jane Pickett our resident vet will be joining Joining us in studio before in the final hour, and this the final hour of the program. So if you have a pet question, get them in, please. The C103 Cork Diary with Cork County Council supporting businesses, supporting communities, serving Cork. Visit corkcoco.ie. Como Ella, they are the Mallow Community Choir. They've got a table quiz on tonight. Albert Lynch's Bar. It's tables of four, please, at 40 euro. And the choir will be providing some music tonight as well. Jared Butler, light lighthouse keeper at the Galley Head Lighthouse. This guest speaker at the Dukas Clonakilty Heritage Lecture that's on in the Parish Centre at half past eight tonight. Jared featured in the recent RTE series on Ireland's Greatest Lighthouse. Middleton Male Voice Choir. They're resuming choir practice for the coming season tonight. New members are welcome to join. You're invited to come along to the Roxborough House across from Chadwick's in Middleton for seven o'clock uh, tonight. And the Bantry Bay Kelp Campaign. They're holding their bric-a-brac sale today, Thursday, again Friday and Saturday, 10am to 6pm daily. And it is in the old cinema in uh, Bantry. And don't forget, there is a special forum aimed at Women in Agriculture in the Monster Arms Hotel in Bandon tonight. It's free of charge. It kicks off at 8 o'clock and I'll be your MC for the evening. Court Today with Breedhaven Nursing Home Mallow. It's family run so your loved one will feel at home. See breedhaven.ie C103. This is the Court Today replay on C103. Some of your comments coming in uh, to the programme on the school building and hearing about the school building defects. Patricia, one one would have to hold the Department of Education responsible for this along with the builders. Surely the department would have had engineers examining the building on completion. Uh, One wonders what happened here that allowed these buildings to pass when they're clearly, clearly not up to the required standards, says Mary. And Anthony says, unreal how this school building situation has happened so recently. Engineers had to sign off at every stage. I've never heard of an engineering company being sued, have you? But certainly they do get paid, said Anthony. And that is, I mean, to me, that is, I mean, firstly, this company has to be 
hugely investigated as to how they could have been building such standard work, particularly when there's more than one. Whatever about if one school, you would think, oh, well, look, they built so many and there was one rogue, I don't know, overseer on it or whatever. But it's looking like so many of the, well, they're investigating all of the schools. So I suppose let's wait before we say there are so many that are, are going to have to have remedial work done. Hopefully, it'll be a little bit like the good news that came out yesterday evening from one Gwail Skull in Dublin that was completed last year that that didn't reveal any significant issues. But yes, there are, because there's already, I think there's a three so far have had to close. There's huge question marks as to who signed off on all of the works. And, you know, Mary making the point that they would have to pass uh, the buildings upon completion. Surely the engineers would be would have been in and out on numerous occasions, it wouldn't just be at the very end. You take it on a big project like that, that they would be in there on many, many occasions, checking and making sure that everything was OK. And on the tomb baby story, why has there never been a case where a nun has been questioned in relation to the horror of some of the stories that we hear from these mother and baby homes, said Anthony. Many have to be still alive and be able to give information as to exactly what went on there, says uh, Anthony. While somebody else takes a different view on a different view on should, is it the bond securers that should be paying more money? The bond securers have offered two and a half million euro towards the cost of this project of reburying the little babies in Tum. But the government are saying they reckon it's going to cost because there's a major forensic investigation because they're going to try and do their best to identify through DNA who some of the babies are. So therefore it'll go to, they reckon it could be 13 million, could even go higher. I mean, it's kind of, to me, it's almost like a guesstimate. I mean, the fact that they're saying the investigation is expected to cost between 2 million and 13 million. Big difference, isn't there, between six, or between 6 million and 13 million? There's a big difference between 6 million and 13 million. Anyway, it, so it could even go higher. What the nuns are saying, look, this is what we're going to give you, two and a half million. And some people are taking huge umbrage to that. In particular, campaigners are saying it's not enough. They need to pay more. Well, Mary Amalo says, would you remind Patricia and other listeners who feel that way? It was the government who put... It was the government who put them into the, these are the unmarried mothers, who put the unmarried mothers into these homes. So that needs to be remembered. I don't think the nuns, the priests and the rest of them can take all of the blame, as in that the Catholic Church can take all of the blame. At the end of the day, it was parents who signed many of these young girls into those institutions, along with support from the uh, government. And Mary, many, some parents didn't want to bring them home in case there would be shame in the local community and the embarrassment and, and you know Mary is right there was a huge embarrassment about being pregnant outside of marriage I mean today's generation of young mothers wouldn't even know what we are talking about but you know Mary is right there was a huge amount of shame and many families did that many families did lock their daughters uh, away as well uh, and I absolutely accept all of that but I think the cruelty that went on in a lot of these mother and baby homes and I mean what we're looking at particularly in Tume if you've read any of Catherine Corliss's work we had children dying of malnutrition and children little babies that were born absolutely perfectly and then at 18 months died from malnutrition now you can't blame okay the parents that put the daughter in to, into the mother and baby home to have the baby and then said you can come home but you're not bringing the baby home uh, fair enough whatever wrong on the parents behalf 
But they then didn't, I don't think any of the parents would have realised what was going on behind closed doors. I mean, we know babies were sold on in adoption and in many cases the families weren't checked out to see were they suitable for adoption. Other children were fostered out from Toom. Some went on to industrial schools. God knows we, we know what happened in, in the industrial schools. So they do have a responsibility. What happened, yes, what, it was a different era and what was going on was wrong and there was much more people involved in that than just the nuns. But I think when you're, what, what you're looking at here is what happened to these babies and the fact that Catherine Corliss was able to discover almost 800 child deaths at the home uh, registered and no burial location was, was recorded. It was the nuns were responsible for that and there's nothing that they can say or do to, to blame anybody else and say it was a different era, era. They were responsible when these babies died. They were responsible for what happened they gave those little babies no dignity in death certainly not the ones that ended up in a septic tank so they do have a responsibility is two and a half million enough I don't know I mean the the experts and the ones who know the most I mean the people like Catherine Corliss they, she's the woman I will be listening to she's not expecting them to pay all of the costs but she was saying that, that they should pay at least half the eventual costs and then you read in the papers today it's not that it's that they are in order they don't have the money when you look at the amount of money that they, they make every year so they do have a stash of cash that can um actually be used. Uh, 1853 Somebody says the Irish school in Formoy is that going to be examined? No, that's not on the list of schools. There were four came out for Cork. It's the Gwaleskod in Clonakilty. It's the Carrigaline Educate Together National School. It's the Skull Forig Neafa. That's the primary school in Rochestown. And then the other school is McCroom Boys National School. It was just four schools that were built. And remember, it is only schools that were built by this particular company. It's a Northern Ireland-based Western Building Systems WBS and in the main it was the schools that were built by the department they reckon 30 or so schools were built in the rapid build programme and the rapid build programme this was when we were screaming out looking for schools and the rapid build was from 2007 to 2013 where new schools were springing up all over the country we remember it well and now it's in that rapid build because now to be told that some of the schools were built in just three months I mean these are big big buildings, how they can go up in three months. I mean, I'm currently watching an extension to a school where I live by and there's a big crane up. I look out the window, this big crane uh, every day. But this is just an extension onto a school and they've been working at that for way, way more than uh, three months. But again, I suppose we have to emphasise as well, while the Department of Education now are doing structural safety on 42 schools built over the past decade of more, in particular homing in on the 30 that were built between 2007 and 2013 and all of the schools built. If, you, if your school wasn't built by the Northern Ireland-based Western Building Schemes, then you, it seems you are OK. Uh, and that work is ongoing. That's not to say that all of these schools are going to come back defective. It's very possible, like the one in Dublin, that they'll all be fine. And fingers, fingers crossed for our four schools here in Cork that that's the way it's going to be that all those schools are going to be fine 1850 we're going to turn our attention to pet questions if you have a pet question you can call John Paul or you can text or WhatsApp 0862 
Court today with Breedhaven Nursing Home Mallow. It's family run, so your loved one will feel at home. See breedhaven.ie. C103. And we're turning our attention to animals, and I do have a missing cat that I've been asked uh, to uh, mention. It is missing from Tulik in Mill Street. It went missing last Friday evening. Very worried about him. He's a male cat, has been neutered, quite distinctive in that he's got huge paws and a big fluffy tail. He sounds gorgeous. His back paws are black in colour. He is a tabby cat, very big though and quite fluffy, so a large cat. There's a reward on offer. Uh, any sightings, please, to 087-906-4528. Uh, Jane Pickett of the Islandwood Veterinary Hospital in Newmarket, part of the Mill Street Group, joins me in studio. Good afternoon to you, Jane. Hi there. Very possible that this cat bolted with maybe a banger or a noise, exactly what we've been talking about. We mentioned it yeah, last week. Very possible this time of year. There's lots of loud noises. Also, the weather's getting a little bit more kind of blustery as time goes on and that can scare pets a little bit doors banging etc that they can get a little bit worried about and we do see more pets going missing at this time of year I think the difficult thing is tracking them down sometimes and I suppose with a dog we obviously think of microchipping but it's I suppose a word to the wise you can actually actually microchip cats yeah. as well and that's yeah. another thing you can do it's a little bit less common um, but I know if cats come into me I'll always check them from a chip and so will the guardies so if you're worried about your little cat as well as your dogs make sure they're microchipped in particularly this time of year Okay the and thing. the fact is the, this cat is neutered they don't wander when they're neutered less so but yeah. I suppose like like any of us if we get a fright sometimes we bolt the cats are usually good to find their way home though generally yeah. they are but sometimes I think they can be carried a little bit further away from home if they're particularly curious let's say and hop into a car or a yeah. van if there's been any building work going on around and about it's worth kind of investigating um, where those vans might have been or have gone just in case they might have hopped in and kind of travelled along yeah. with it. And I know yeah. I had a cat many years ago that went missing for about a week. I'd completely thought it, I thought it was gone and it turned out it had got locked into a shed oh, and when yeah. the door opened out it came and it came home. So it could be locked mm. in somewhere um, yeah. uh, as well. OK, let's get straight into um, uh, questions. You didn't, I'm just realising I kept this. Did you come up with treats for the... I did. The I t- had oh, you did. Well done. <laughs> this, this was the listener who contacted us last week saying, question uh, for Jane, please. I'd like to make some treats for my dog I've gone online for recipes, but I'm fearful that all the ingredients may be harmful. Could you please mention some ingredients that that would not that would be harmful, um, or maybe you're familiar with a recipe that would be suitable? Mary. So I've had a little think about both and I think okay. some of it's particularly topical because of Halloween coming up we have all those monkey nuts hanging around and we have grapes and raisins and all the kind of nuts of autumn as well so it's particularly relevant. So for baking some of the big big no-nos are no chocolate. It's highly toxic to both dogs and cats so never ever use that okay. okay. Um, if your dog or cat does ingest some chocolate it's best to ring your vet ASAP really to deal with that. Another big no-no that people don't think about sometimes is grapes but particularly raisins as well and sultanas and a lot of the time around this time of year if you have those multi-packs of let's say the the nuts and seeds etc that will go along with Halloween um, they might be hanging around the house so making sure that they stay out of reach of all your pets is really important but certainly don't incorporate them into any baking or treats that you will be giving Okay. I think another really important one we don't always think about is don't ever use artificial sweeteners when you're making treats for your dog or cat because some of those artificial sweeteners can be 
quite toxic to our dog and cat friends where they might be absolutely fine for us. Um, in particular, one of the artificial sweeteners called xylitol can be highly toxic. It can attack the, the red blood cells that travel the oxygen around our bodies okay. um, and cause big, big problems. And I think one of the things recently, certain types of peanut butter are absolutely fine to use, but I'd be very, very cautious to check that those no artificial sweeteners incorporated in those because sometimes we've seen that recently with kind of the health fads going on, we have like, let's say, reduced sugar ones with artificial sweeteners in and they could be very toxic to your pets and that's not a good thing. Okay. Um, likewise, peanut butter in a very small, small amount is okay, but um, peanuts in large amounts can cause a lot of thirst and they're not particularly well tolerated by dogs or cats. So I, I think to be on the safe side, I wouldn't really incorporate them into anything you're actively offering as a treat. As a recipe, a safe one. Okay. I had to go myself this week. I can attest to okay. the fact it works. You can do like two and a half cups of wholemeal flour. Okay. Half a cup of water, one egg and a pinch of salt, tiny pinch of salt. And then you can kind of add in anything you want. So that's a really good base. You could either, let's say, put a little bit of chicken bits in it, a little bit of cheese, just in little moderation to give it a little bit of a flavour, but it has a nice crunch. I made mine into nice, nice little bone shapes from my dog, Margo. I did. I tried it out, so I know it works. Um, yeah. But that would all be safe ingredients. And you okay, can just well incorporate done. maybe something, something like a little bit of ham, a little bit of cheese or a little bit of chicken. And that will okay, be a nice Okay, but you flavor. don't need to give a lot of treats. You no, need to, I think everything you, you in do, moderation. You, you, do, you do need to be careful on that hi my jack russell is eating grass and gets sick after it is she lacking in something she feeds well sedan could that just be a bad habit mm, it can be a bit of both i think if it's happening on the regular i'd be a bit worried and i pop to your vet to make sure that there's nothing causing a feeling of kind of nauseousness wanting to feel sick because a lot of the time we see our dogs and cats eating grass when they want to make themselves throw up they're very clever kind of uh, knowing when they need to expel something from their system if they've eaten something a bit weird with cats a lot of the time we see them eating grass to try and get fur balls up so they'll kind of lick themselves and get a little ball of fur that they'll have swallowed and they'll be trying to kind of cough hack that up with a little bit of vomit as well sometimes um but i think the main thing is if it's if it's once in a blue moon i wouldn't worry too much yeah because a lot of dogs do it a lot of dogs do yeah. it they do yeah. um every now and again my own does it as well yeah but i think if it's happening on the regular i will pop to your vet just it's to just make sure because get, getting going. constantly sick is, yeah. is is not good it's Ger- a big issue. jerry in middleton my dog has epilepsy he's a five and a half year old cross Corgi and a boxer terrier. Corgi cross boxer terrier. Uh, having seizures since he was 10 months old. But his last two seizures, he started frothing at the mouth. He's on tablets called phenobarbital. Eight, 80 millilitres in the morning and 80 in the evening. Do I need to change the medication or is it getting serious because he's never frosted at the mouth before? Mm, it really depends. It sounds like he's been kind of like on long, long-term medication for epilepsy. And I suppose the history is a little bit important here. Um Phenobarbital is an anti-epileptic medication, so it's very much appropriate for a dog with epilepsy. But we can all react a little bit differently to different medications. So some might be effective in some patients and not in others. And we're all a little bit different. I think the thing I'd wonder about here is obviously the frothing at the mouth thing is a very distressing thing for you to see. But it can be a feature of of some types of seizures. And it doesn't necessarily indicate a change as long as the seizures look otherwise similar apart from the frothing at the mouth. I think the thing I'd wonder about is this little dog is on medication long term and if the frequency of the seizures 
is is quite high, then it might suggest that it's not particularly well controlled and, and you may need to see your vet for adjustment in either dose or medication um, to kind of line up with what your dog might need at that point in time. What I say to people with dogs with chronic illnesses is it's not static, it's always a roller coaster and you may need dose adjustment or drug adjustment over the life of your pet. Um, so I think if, if we have a dog on anti-epileptic medication, an odd seizure here and there is not a major issue. Um, but if it's happening regularly, it definitely suggests that it's not well controlled, and I'd probably pop to your vet. But a five to and a half, check. they can they can live quite well with yeah, epilepsy. Yeah, yeah they, they, get, they can get right in, medication. In, incredibly well if they're well controlled with medicine. Yeah. Then they can lead a largely normal life. Yeah. It's really incredible. Like what an can do adult, these days. With, like a human. Exactly. With, with okay, Nile in Ballinhasic has three cats. They're all very much house cats. They have their own space uh, in the garage where they sleep, and they roam outside some days. However, they've noticed other cats hanging around the house in the evening time uh, during the day they're around also but the worry is I, no, I can't keep the cats outside all of the time um, and he's worried about his I, I, I'm at a loss to see he's worried about his cats interacting with the other cats I think okay. anyway yeah. his cats are uh, aged from three to nine all neutered all female I think the interacting first with other cats. So interacting with other cats. I think the first thing I would say is you've taken the right step. First of all, they're all neutered, so it avoids any problems with unwanted pregnancies from that perspective. If they're meeting other cats, I understand that you're a little bit worried that they might be mixing with other cats and they might not necessarily be uh, the most savoury characters. We don't know. And I think when they're cats that wander in, sometimes they can be stray, sometimes they can be neighbouring cats, and we don't know how they'll get on with our own cats. Um, I think we always worry that they might fight or scrap, and cats can be a little bit territorial, so that can certainly happen until they sort out their differences a little bit. But what I would say is there's two options here, really. Either you can continue to let your cats have a largely in, inside the house lifestyle and they can pop out at their own convenience for a little potter outside like they seem to be doing at the moment and see how it goes. You may find that things settle and there's never any problems or you may find that they might fight, but it'll settle down. I think the important thing is just to watch your own cats and kind of supervise them outside. If you can even supervise them interacting with the other cats, then that's fine. You can see if there's going to be any major problems. Um, But I wouldn't be too worried. They're neutered, so there's no unwanted accidents going to happen from that perspective. The other option is some cats do really well as pure house cats. Um, Although it is nice for them to be able to go outside and enjoy kind of stimulation mentally and the exercise that they can get from outside. Cats, particularly in the winter, are generally sometimes quite happy to stay inside and can have a litter tray as long as they have lots of space apart from each other and lots of space within the house to move around and keep themselves active. So I think I wouldn't worry too much about letting them out during the day with the other cats. Just keep kind of a weather eye on them. But if you are really, really concerned, you could consider keeping them as pure house cats. Yeah, I suppose it's worried are they going to start fighting, mm. even though neutered cats, generally speaking, keep... Less so. Yeah. yeah, less so, but they still can be similarly territorial. Um, I think if you are going to let them outside with cats that you're unsure whether they're, let's say, cats that are going to fight or not, the one thing I, one piece of advice I would give you is make sure they're fully vaccinated because some of the, let's say, immune system diseases that they can get can sometimes be transmitted by scratches and bites from other cats. So just in case there was any disasters and any kind of fights, I would make sure they're all fully vaccinated. Yeah, because it would certainly sound like it's feral cats, isn't mm, it? It sounds like it it's be. a group of, of feral cats have come into the area. Yeah, yeah. And I think the one thing I would say as well is I would wonder what's attracting 
collecting them around your house just make sure that you don't have any let's say food left out or anything like that that might be tempting them into the region don't give them extra any extra reason to to visit your house as it were um and and just make sure obviously that your your house entrance is cat proof so that only your own cats can be inside okay um, all right we leave it there um jane uh, we've run out of time but thank you for that thanks for joining us that is uh, jane pickett of the island wood veterinary hospital in newmarket uh, which is part of the mill street veterinary group uh, a reminder that i'll be going along to the monster arms hotel in bandon tonight we've got a special forum on it's all aimed at women women in agriculture and it's to raise awareness of the role of women on the farm uh, which is often forgotten we'll have keynote speakers and then we'll have a panel discussion at the end and that is free of charge and it kicks off tonight at eight o'clock looking forward to seeing you if you're going along thanks to john paul who produced talk to you tomorrow court today with breedhaven nursing home mallow it's family run so your loved one will feel at home see breedhaven.ie c103 even when we're on a budget we still deserve nice things quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands they have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at 50 dollars luxurious italian leather bags and so much more plus quince only works with factories that use safe ethical and responsible manufacturing get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with quince go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365 day returns when it comes to your finances you think you've done it all you've saved you've researched and you've invested all that you can now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor yahoo finance As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.